We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Pastor Jim? Welcome. I'm Pastor Jim. Come on in. Hey, thanks. Um, hey, I'm, there's a lot I've been enjoying about your church, and I just wanted to ask a few questions about what your church is really all about. John, we're a family here. Our people tend to act and talk a certain way. You don't sound like you've been here very long. Our people have a certain confidence and air about them. Oh, Pastor Jim, I, I, uh, I love that your church is a family. And that's, that's what I'm looking for is a church that's a family. But do you have to talk the same way everyone else does? I mean, isn't, isn't the church all about following Jesus? Just so you guys know, we can continue Carl's prayer. The voting body of the Academy uh, votes for Oscar nominations next week. And so if you just want to collectively intercede on Carl's behalf uh, for best actor in a leading role, let's go, Carl. Yeah. Uh, we start a new series today uh, called Red Flags, and we're so glad you're here as we start this new series in this new year. So happy new year. Welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here. If we haven't met before, my name is Colin. I'm the pastor here, and we just want to warm, warmly welcome you to this place uh, in this exciting new year and all that God has ahead for us. And also, if you're a first-time guest especially, we'd love if you would check in, take an opportunity to let us know you are here. You can uh, scan this QR code, fill out the form there, and let us know that you are here today. Um, it helps us kind of keep in contact with you uh, for what's going on in the life of our community, uh, for you to know what's going on, for us to kind of uh, know what's going on with you. And so if you want to check in, let us know you're here. You can keep up to date with everything that's going on in the life of Branches. So again, we're really, really glad you're here, especially as we begin this new series called Red Flags. And if you were here in the past few weeks, we were kind of pitching the series. And as you see in this video, uh, really the, the center point of this series is this term, this phrase that we use, red flags. And it's most commonly used like relationally in our world today in dating. Like if you're on the apps, honestly, I would love to hear like some of the red flags you've encountered uh, out in the world. Uh, this, the sort of things that people do, they, they really only talk about themselves. They don't really ask you any questions or, you know, whatever else they do uh, that kind of puts you off. I read some Reddit threads about dating red flags. I was like, I can't read these. Uh, I can't share these on Sunday morning. But it's not just in our like romantic life or relational life, but also like in your work life. Like I saw a thread about uh, uh, workplace red flags. Like if you're interviewing at a place, like the things that kind of come up that maybe should make you wary about working there. And so if you go to an interview and they're really weird about, you know, the pay or whatever else that, you know, that's a red flag that should come up as something like should make you wary. But for us at Branches, part of our, our mission is to uh, kind of cut out all the obstacles there are in the way that the church honestly has set up for people to follow Jesus. The church has set up a lot of obstacles in the way of people being in a relationship with Jesus, growing in their spiritual life. And so part of our, our goal at Branches is to make it really easy 
to cut all of those things out. But again, the, the church hasn't always done a great job of inviting people into community, inviting them into relationship, inviting them, them to the table, inviting them into a judgment-free zone where they can learn about the Bible for the first time or learn how to pray or to sing or to learn what it's all about to follow Jesus. And so there are churches, frankly, that have red flags. And the, the series really is not for us to beat up on other churches. I'm not going to play clips as much as I'm tempted to. Um, <laughs> It's, it's for us to say, like, we, we don't want these red flags. When, specifically to you guests today, if you're here and you're like, I'm kind of worried about this place, like, we don't want any of these things to come up in your interaction with us. And also an open invitation that if they do, uh, tell us. Like, we want to be a place where people find it easy, a soft landing to be in relationship with others and to follow Jesus. And so that's what we're talking about in the next four weeks. Uh, next week, we'll have a, a special guest preacher with us. Uh, Miguel uh, Della Mora is going to be the speaker for D-Now, our student event next weekend. And we're really excited to have him. Yes, student section over here, super stoked. Uh, uh, or at least Alyssa. I think it's just Alyssa over there. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, he's going to be talking about, you know, J Jesus plus something else. Like, that's a red flag. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what Carl kind of asked about in the video. Is, is it about Jesus or is it about something else? We're also going to talk about weird Christian lingo. Like, what a Christians talk so weird. And then the last week, uh, fourth week, we're really excited about this. It's a really pressing question is, uh, is a church make it safe for you to ask questions and to doubt? So that's the fourth week. And so we're going to invite you to come for all those weeks. Or if there's one that stands out for you to invite somebody to come with you, we want to invite you to be a part of that. When Landon and I first moved to Houston, uh, we went to a place that my friend Michael had recommended to us for brunch. And we got there, we put our name in, and the wait was going to be kind of long, but we were, we were going to wait. We were fine. Uh, and so we needed something to do. We didn't want to wait in a crowded lobby. And so two doors down was a very nice furniture store. Uh, and so we walked in, and we were the only customers. In fact, uh, the employees outnumbered their customers in the moment. It was just me and Landon and then the four people that worked in there. And they didn't say a word to us. It was a nice furniture store. Uh, and something about us, I guess, <laughs> tipped them off that we were just browsing. <laughs> uh, not... Uh, a, a hello, not a welcome, not a, an embrace, not a, are you looking for something? Honestly, like, just go about your work. These people aren't going to buy anything. Waste of our time. Uh, so we went and enjoyed brunch, and we talked about it that day. It was like, you know, you go to a, a, a car dealership, and it's like you get just like within uh, just a little bit in bounds of the block that the car dealership is on, and it's like they're running out in front of your car. Like, what are you doing here? Are you trading this in? Could I help you? You know, I took our car one time to the dealership because it was still under warranty to take it to the um, mechanic there, and I almost hit one of the salesmen. I like stepped off the curb, and he was like, "What? Do you, hey, how can I help you?" I'm like, "I'm just taking this in to get service." He's like, "Would you like to trade it in?" No, <laughs> would just like to fix it. Two night and day different experiences, car dealership and this furniture store. I think, just to show my cards in the beginning, best of both worlds is to not have either of those experiences at church. To be descended upon, <laughs> to just be what we call love bombing. They're like, hey, what are you doing? Who are you? Where do you go to school? How, where do you work? What neighborhood do you live in? Can I have your address? Do you want to be friends? Do you want to go get coffee? We don't want that. That's car dealership Christianity. And of course, we also don't want like the, you know, you want to remain anonymous. I think you want to remain anonymous. I don't want to get to know you. I don't care if you're here or not. I'm not even going to acknowledge you. We want somewhere helpfully in the middle. My sister visited a church in South Carolina where uh, they invited all the guests to stand, and then they sang them a little song. Uh, 
which sounds very sweet, but I can promise you, as long as I'm here, we will never do that. <laughs> and some of you are like, yes, please, thank you. And some of you are like, no, that'd be really nice. Sing me a song. Not going to do it. Love bombing <laughs> and then this kind of forced anonymity. The church at its best is a place where you're welcome and invited in and and it's not just stated on a banner, on a website, or on a social media post that all people are welcome, but also felt real, relational welcome in a place, like actively welcomed, not just stated welcome, over gesture and word, but also relationship, that, that someone gets your name, and you hear their name, and then you see them again, and you're able to identify and, and map yourself onto another person that's at that community. I'll say, especially for a new community, it's really tough to get to know other people's names. And I want to say on behalf of if you're a first-time guest or you've been here several times or you came here as a guest or you started to go to church again for the first time in a long time at Branches, what courage and bravery you have to go into a church, especially in the time that we're in, where people will state at the front end, you, you, all are welcome, all people are welcome here, and then in practice, in deed, in word, unwelcome someone with what they do, kind of what Carl said in his prayer, what Brendan Manning, you know, uh, we acknowledge Jesus with our lips but deny him with our lifestyle. You are welcome, but not really. You may have seen it on Twitter or Instagram or Reddit a while ago. There was this video this girl posted. Uh, she had been singing in the worship band at a church on Sunday, and unfortunately, come to find out, it was a Methodist church. Uh, and she was cornered in the bathroom by one of the greeters about what she was wearing, was berated for what she was wearing. And she was like, please just leave me alone. Like, this is really inappropriate. The woman had followed her in the bathroom to, to tell her that what she was wearing was inappropriate. And she later posted a picture of what she was wearing. Not really an issue at all. This woman just had it out for her. And she had just the audacity to say to this woman, um, you see so-and-so over there? She has the same body type as you. Why don't you wear something like that? Now, that's the church I want to go to, <laughs> you know. That's the place I want to go. And it's so awful and, and, and spread so wide across the internet, in fact, that the pastor had to issue a public apology. He's like, this is not who we are. And he's like, but apparently somewhere along the way, this is what we became. All people are welcome, except, here's the exception. Here's the, the way we're going to uh, cut somebody out. And of course, on paper, 99.9% .9 of churches in America would say, all people are welcome to come here. And that other less than 1% who aren't welcome, uh, you, you, they have no outsiders. Uh, those are called cults. <laughs> uh, but on the other end, of course, if you would ask any pastor in our city, is anybody welcome to come to your church? Well, of course. But implicitly, maybe even just occasionally, explicitly, under the surface sometimes, and sometimes spoken out loud, you're, you're told you're welcome, but you better shape up. Or you better change this, or you better become that. Even in Methodist history, we have moments in, in the church's history where it, it was explicitly stated that all people were welcome except Richard Allen, who started the AME church, or was kind of the father of the AME church. Uh, he started that black Methodist movement because he and freed and enslaved people were denied communion and started their own church. All people are welcome in Jesus, except you can't take communion here. It's hard for us to even fathom. Not even a century later, the Methodist Episcopal Church was the denomination at the time, split into the Methodist Episcopal Church and the Methodist Episcopal Church South. You get three guesses of what they split over. <laughs> uh, that all people are welcome except. 
And I, I hear these stories, and I hear about this person named Jenna in South Carolina, and I think about Methodist history, and I think about our own practice, like are we welcoming everyone? When we say that everyone is welcome, or we say on our social media posts, we're saving you a seat, is there a seat for everyone? You know, the, the question that comes to mind, I kind of like get snarky with myself, like, but I sure wish there was someone we could consult about this. This is like starts with a J. Um, son of God, you know, just had his birthday recently. Because <laughs> uh, luckily we can. And really, that's a great guiding question. Like, I'm, I, I really wish I could get someone's advice on this. Jesus, not a bad place to start. <laughs> and so in thinking about, you know, do we want to be a welcoming place? You know, Jesus would be the first person I would turn to. We've been in the Gospels a lot recently because we've been... Uh, going through Advent and thinking about Jesus' life and the people that um, kind of led up to his ministry. We're now in John's gospel today uh, and starting in verse 11. uh, And Jesus says this in John's gospel. I think we have it on the screen here if you want to follow along. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And the hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And here's the key, key verse to zero in on this. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We can consult Jesus on this. And there's a few kind of like really important pieces of Jesus's teaching here in John that I think is helpful for us to think about what it means to be a welcoming, inviting community and to resist the urge to be efficient as Carl prayed for us today or uh, to be homogenous or to be convenient or uh, to be, you know, who we want to be, to, to have our own preferences win about welcoming all people. But when we, when we consult Jesus, we're challenged with this affirmative, I have the power to I, every time I read this, this story, this teaching of Jesus, when he says, I am the good shepherd, I imagine there's shepherds in the crowd, and he's like, kind of saying like, I'm the good shepherd. Like, y'all are just shepherds. <laughs> like, I'm the good shepherd. And what Jesus is saying is like, I'm standing outside of, of what you're experiencing now and following me, and I'm using this metaphor to tell you, this is how I'm going to lead you. We were saying today in Reckless Love, uh, the, the words from that song are pulled from Luke 15 where Jesus tells this parable of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them runs away and the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep to go save the one, to go get the one. Shepherds were careful, they were delicate, they were kind, compassionate. We see in Luke 15, he drapes the um, sheep over his shoulders in an affectionate way and takes them back to the fold. He forsakes the 99, he leaves the 99 that are just okay and goes after the one that's gone astray. And here, the same metaphor, and it's not just in Luke and John, it's all over the Old and New Testament. God is described as a shepherd who's shepherding his people. And just like sheep, we've all gone astray, uh, as in the prophets. 
And Jesus then is saying, I'm that shepherd. I'm embodied. This is how I'm going to lead you. One of the first things that stands out to me in this passage is it says, I'm not like the hired hand. I'm a good shepherd. As you might imagine, the first century, sheep were valuable. Like this was people's livelihood. And a hired hand, if the sheep were threatened, would be like, this isn't worth it for me. I'm ready to run away. Jesus, on the other hand, says, I'm going to step in and I'll not even just try to protect the sheep. I'll put my own life on the line for the sheep. I'll, I'll, I'll get in the way. I'll stand in the gap for the sheep. Stands out to me. Jesus is in a hired hand, though we can treat him like that sometimes. Like, would you handle this for me for a second? I'm not the hired hand. I'm the good shepherd. Also, he knows his sheep. Uh, I know my sheep. My sheep know me. And my sheep hear my voice and they know it's my voice. I read a story this week of a pastor who had actually formerly been a shepherd, and he was on a train. He was in England. He was on a train uh, back from London into his small town, and he saw some sheep, like, wandering, like, had gotten out of their fold, and he was like, those are my sheep. <laughs> like, even from far away, he knew, and he, he, it gave him a new facet of understanding in this passage. He's like, I, I know these sheep. That same intimate knowledge, that same alarm he felt when he saw him running astray, Jesus feels for us. And not just for you, but for the, the one that goes away, for one that hasn't been around in a while, for the one who dresses in a way that you don't care for, for the one who doesn't agree with you ideologically, Jesus feels that same one is like, oh no, <laughs> that's my sheep. I'm gonna go after them. Then today, just what we really wanna zero in on and really focus on, he says to this group of probably largely, maybe majority, maybe even all Jewish people, it's sometimes we read over it just in passing. He says, I have sheep in another fold, and I got to bring them in. I got to invite them in. And they'll hear my voice too, just like you. We can glaze over that so easily. But what he's essentially saying to this Jewish audience is this is about you, but it's also not about you. You're invited. You're in the fold. I love you. I'm going to shepherd you. I'm going to lead you. You're welcome. There's a place for you. And there's also a place for people that aren't part of this group yet. And again, all through the Old and New Testament, that's been God's mission from the beginning to the end. That he uses this small family of people. It's really great in Acts. It's like, I'm gonna go from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. From this jam-packed city to every person in the world. From this small family of people of Abraham, I'm gonna use Abraham's family to bless all families. I'm gonna use this small nation of people to bless all nation of people. I'm gonna use this one fold of sheep to bring in an entirely new fold that's off somewhere else right now. It's about you. You're welcome. You're part of this family. And it's also not about you. And if you keep reading the New Testament, the Jewish followers of Jesus had a problem with this. <laughs> they were worried about it. They felt threatened by it. Like, how could they be a part of it? They haven't been following the law. They haven't been doing all the things we've been commanded to do. How could you invite them in? And Jesus basically says, because I said so. <laughs> I have the power to invite them in. And in fact, that's my goal from the beginning. I was with God in the beginning and I invite all people from the beginning to come to me. In the same gospel, he says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. You're invited. You're, you're already part of it. And they, whoever they is for you, they're invited. And it's from God. It's not your invitation. It's not like, hey, would you go invite those people and I'm gonna like run the party, but you do the invitation. Jesus says, I'm inviting on God's behalf this new fold of people to come into our fold and you get to be a part of it. There's a seat for you and there's a seat for them as well. Growing up, uh, we had miniature schnauzers, great dogs. 
some greater than others. Um, and Tom, actually, on Christmas Eve, he talked about uh, his family being dog people. I'm a dog person. There's a joke within my dad's side of the family, like, if reincarnation is real, which I don't happen to believe it's real, but if it is, I want to come back as one of the Bagby's dogs, uh, live their best life, are spoiled, are like children. Like, we refer to our dog Montgomery as Roscoe's sister, our baby's sister. Um, she's a good big sister. She's great. <laughs> uh, Anyway, not important to the story. Uh, we had a, a little dog named Piper, who was the, our little um, schnauzer for most of my childhood. She was great. She was a lot. Sometimes she liked to be picked up. Other times you try to pick her up, she would growl, maybe even snap at you. Uh, sometimes she really wanted to cuddle with you in the chair. Other times, not so much. Uh, sometimes she was like really begging for food. Other times, not really interested in food. Like kind of that, you'd pour food in her bowl and she'd look up at you and be like, this again? You know, very picky, very sweet. The main thing about Piper is, and it's, it's sad now, but it's actually kind of heartwarming. Still, when I go to my childhood home in Arkansas, if I open the front door, I feel this impulse to reach down and not let her out. Uh, because if you have dogs, they're well-fed, they're groomed, you are nice to them, and any opportunity they have to leave, they will take it. And Piper was so fast, incredibly fast. I'd lean down, and if I didn't lean down in the right spot, she kind of knew she'd go out. She would dig holes under the fence. She'd run away. And there for a while, my sisters and my parents and I would go outside and try to chase after her. None of us fast enough. Call her name. I think our whole neighborhood knew our dog's name and each of our voices. Uh, and we would run and run. And she would do this thing. It would drive me nuts. Uh, she would stop, and she'd turn around, kind of like... <laughs> Isn't this fun? Like, come on. Uh, I'm like, no, it's not. Please don't get hit by a car. So she's running away, and, and she, the more you chased her, the more she would run. The only thing that would occasionally work was if you would start running the opposite direction, uh, and she would chase after you sometimes. But for the most part, she would be gone. We stopped trying to chase her, and even in our anxiety about it, like, would she, would she come back? She would come back, and it was the, actually kind of the cutest thing if it weren't so frustrating she would scratch on the front door. <laughs> we would like let her go, close the door, go about our business, and then a few hours later, she'd like be whimpering and scratching on the front door, like, please let me in. Like, oh, hello, how are you? Yes, could I help you? You know, oh yeah, please come in. Piper knew um, that she had a home. And she could run away, and maybe we chase her, maybe we not. But if she got hungry, she got cold, she needed to be warm, she needed a place to go, she missed us maybe, she could come back. And she was smart enough that she knew where to go. And when I thought about that this week, because I, I was thinking about like, okay, what am I going to try to tell branches? Like, how do we become more welcoming? The mystery of being welcoming and to, to say that all people are welcome is that like, we actually don't have to do anything. That God is the one inviting and welcoming people into his family. God is the one, and when he is lifted up in Jesus, that's drawing all people to himself. God really, truly is the one who's saving a seed. That God has determined that the way he's going to reach the world with his love is to create a community, and he's setting the table, and he's making it warm, and he's putting food on the table, and he's making people family. And we just get to be a part of it. Really, the only thing we can and must do is to acknowledge that in another person. You're invited. Hey, I was also invited. I get to go. Hey, I have a seat and there's a seat for you. Hey, you came in and I don't recognize you, but you belong. And, and you're actually part of the family at the same time that I am. 
doesn't matter how long you've been coming. There's that thing that church people do, like somebody that hasn't been in a while, be like, where have you been? On the other hand, we can say, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad that you're here. It means so much to see you because when you're gone, <laughs> when you go out and run away, when you go do whatever you want to do, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. You can always come back. We'll be here when you get back. If something I say upsets you and you leave, um, you can always come back. <laughs> if the coffee isn't as good one Sunday as it is the last Sunday, you can leave and get it. Go. There's like three really good coffee places nearby. You can always come back. <laughs> if you're looking for a place and, and maybe this isn't quite the place for you at the right time, you can always come back. And there's actually some like deep anxiety in my heart about that. I was like, I want everybody to feel like Branches is like the perfect church. And if you're visiting today and you're going to try another place next week and you find the perfect church, will you let me know which one it is? Uh, I would like to go there and steal everything they do. Uh, but in the same way, our reminder, really what we have to root ourselves in, especially as we talk about red flags over the next few weeks, to, to try to be a church that, that God calls us to be is to say, really, we're not doing anything except being the people that God called us to be, being the one and sometimes being the 99, being in the inner circle and sometimes being on the outer circle, being part of the family because God says so, not because we say so, not by our preference, not by our wanting, not by our set of standards, but by God's open, universal to all people, all nations, all ages, all backgrounds, invitation, every person. We talked about Karl Barth just a few weeks ago saying like uh, to, to every person, even the worst person you can imagine, that God the Father is their father and Jesus Christ their brother. You can't undo that. Even if you are unwelcoming to a person, the very least we could do is just to acknowledge that reality. I've uh, read from this uh, several times, uh, this Eugene Peterson devotional, uh, and I was looking for a place uh, where he was talking about welcome uh, and a, a place that would maybe give us some wisdom um, from somebody else. Today uh, is baptism of the Lord Sunday in the Universal Church. We acknowledge Jesus' baptism. We're also reminded of our own baptism. And what baptism says is that very thing. Before you know it, want it, care about it, desire it, are invited to it, even hear about it, God has marked you as his own. You're part of the fold. And all we're doing in baptism is outwardly marking that for something that God has done invisibly in your heart already before you, before you were even aware of it. That's why we baptize infants. There's a marker of what God has already done and is doing in your life before you know it or want it. And so uh, it's from God's own character. And our response to it is to do what God does. This is Eugene Peterson. It's called a welcoming. This is where we're in today. He says, God comes to us he doesn't go away. God arrives in our world. He doesn't depart into outer space. God enters our condition. He doesn't hold himself aloof from the mess we are in. But an arrival is not complete until there's a welcoming. A visit is not satisfying if there is no greeting. Are we ready to welcome God? Are we alert to greet him? Are we practicing the skills of hospitality with which we receive him and make him welcome in our lives, in our world. The way we welcome one another, the way we welcome the guest, the way we welcome the stranger is to welcome God who welcomes us. And thanks be to God for that. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've welcomed each one of us today, 
many years ago, the way you'll welcome us tomorrow and the days following, help us be instruments of that welcome. Help us be a mouthpiece for your love and your invitation to all people. Help us notice when people come and are looking and longing for you and your love. Help us be a community where people have a soft landing, feel warm and invited by you, feel close and connected to you. Don't feel judged or cast aside, but feel embraced because you embrace us in every moment. Help us make that invisible truth visible with this community, with branches. Remind us of it when we come to the table, your sustenance for us, your grace for us. And then when we leave this place today, when the doors are open, we go running off into whatever we do this week, remind us that we can always come back. We can always come back to you. We can always come back to community. We can always come back to your love because it's always around us. Thank you, welcoming God. Make us welcoming people. In Jesus' name, amen.